Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter at thesamd.com. Podcast is also up on Twitter at thesamd podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Search for the Sam D. If not, the link for the YouTube will be in the description. Support the podcast. Subscribe, rate, five stars, nonetheless. Tell a friend. Available at Apple, Google, Spotify, all major podcasts and platforms. Search for the Sam D podcast. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. God damn, there's a lot to get into. Wow. So, it's been a couple weeks. Been out on the road, moving and shaking. Holidays, Thanksgiving, and the whole nine. So, I appreciate y'all for still checking in, still checking in when the pod's dropping. I gave y'all a quickie pod, little Steph Curry essay that I came up with while while I was on the road. And uh, got some good feedback on that. Appreciate that, those who reached out. Uh, Also, something else happened that I put on the timeline, the Twitter timeline. And that's kind of what I'm going to be focused on, to be quite honest. Normally, I come on here, I give you all the social medias and all that stuff. But uh, we're kind of locking in on Twitter. IG is for others. I've decided it's not for me. Uh, if you rock with Zuckerberg, that's your your decision. I'm choosing not to, so there will be an exodus uh, from that app at some point in the very near future. Uh, but anywho, yeah, so rock with me on Twitter if you really fuck with the pod, if you fuck with the content I'm putting out. I'm going to be way more heavily uh, in, involved and invested and using Twitter from here on out. So, just a little show footnote there. But man, look. Old man Braun. Are you enjoying watching your goat get old? And it's kind of like when you're watching a loved one get old. When you're growing up, you see... You look up to certain people. Whether it's a parent. Whether it's another relative. Family, friend whatever the case may be, and you see them in their peak, their prime, and that person could do no wrong. That person is indestructible in whatever form or fashion of work that they do. But then you see them get old. You see them become vulnerable. You see them become slower, not as quick, not as agile. If anything, they may turn into fragile, And you just see, hmm, this person isn't what they used to be. Are we seeing that with old man Braun? Just look at what we've seen just off the timeline this year. He went after the best point guard on the Suns, CP, Cameron Payne. Called him out while he was on the bench and the Suns were cooking the lake show at Staples. I refuse to call it that crypto.com nonsense, by the way. It's Staples. 
So we had that. That clip went viral. Him chastising, talking down to the best point guard on the Suns. And it showed LeBron talking down to someone. And it didn't feel... Didn't feel like Bron. You know what I'm saying? It felt like... I, don't, I really can't put my finger on what it felt like. But it just didn't feel like the Bron y'all have come to know and love. And the Bron that I've come to grow to respect. Then you have the whole thing with him and Enos Cantor or Enos Cantor Freedom or Enos Freedom. I don't really know if he's still keeping Cantor as the middle. I don't know what he's doing there. But either Enos Freedom or Enos Cantor Freedom, he's got the whole back and forth with him. And Enos Cantor's kind of pulling his card, calling out his hypocrisy. And it's kind of like when you have a relative or, again, that same person you looked, to, you looked up to, whether it's a relative or whatever relationship the case is. That person stands on their morals and you feel like everything they do is the right move. But then you realize at some point, oh, hey, this person's a hypocrite. And Enos Cantor, who's been or Enos Freedom or Enos Cantor Freedom, has been on LeBron's neck, pause, for years. Calling him out. And it's finally gotten to the point where LeBron had to respond. And LeBron basically is like, this man is using my name to get his name out there. Yeah, that's kind of how that works, Bron. I, I don't know if you haven't noticed that yet. That's kind of how this works. When you're the biggest basketball star in the world and arguably the biggest athlete in the world, people are going to use your name to get their platforms off. Your man, Skip, has been doing it for a decade plus. That's how this goes. He should know that. And he does know that. But he had to say something because he was axed, right? So he did that. Then we have the Isaiah Stewart thing last week. And boy, did I want to jump on here and get into it. Probably should have did a Twitter spaces on it. But the gig was the gig. Not a lot of free time. So... The Isaiah Stewart thing happened in. At first, it looked like a clear elbow, but after the many different angles and the super slow-mo that we've gotten, it didn't look to be a flush elbow. It looked to be more like a backhand forearm shiver that busted open Isaiah Stewart. But it was the reaction to me that showed, oh, this is really old man Braun. Young Braun cracked somebody's head open whether inadvertently or advertently, I don't think you get that kind of energy. Because LeBron was still feared. LeBron was still admired. He was still looked up to. These young cats, that Bron shit is old. He's looked upon as old. He's not feared anymore. Still respected. Still revered, but he's not feared anymore. These young cats, and I think they did a survey. Forget why I, why I saw this. And it was like, you know, young cats around the league ain't really pressed on the Lake Show or LeBron anymore. Like, it's not a thing. Like, ain't nobody scared to go to Staples. It used to be you're not scared to go to Staples because you're playing the Clippers. But now it's both teams they're not scared of. And when you have LeBron 
Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, and on and on and on, you would think some youngins would look at that roster of names and be like, damn, son. But it's quite the opposite. Youngins are not afraid of the quote-unquote old Lakers, and more specifically, they're not afraid of Bron. When Isaiah Stewart took off and tried to run down on Bron, that to me was the most damning indictment of, oh yeah, dog, the luster is off. The luster is off. The shine isn't as gleaming. It's a wrap for the fear. It's a wrap for the admiration that makes you cower in the moment when you're next to him. All of that is a wrap. And then you have what happened in Indiana. And this to me was funny, but it was still another example of old man Braun, where Braun gets two fans kicked out who were sitting courtside and allegedly they were saying some wild shit because fans will be fans. And if you know the history of Indiana and the Ku Klux Klan, the things that they were saying about Bronny and LeBron and his family, I'm not surprised that someone in Indiana would say those types of things allegedly to LeBron. So LeBron walks over, grabs the ref, leads the ref over to these two fans specifically, and we have another courtside Karen situation. Now we had another courtside, we had courtside Karen, what was that, last year in Atlanta, where he had to get them up out of there. And now we have another courtside Karen. Funny how it's Karen's. And it's funny how the dudes that are with these courtside Karen's are just there. They're just there because they're trying to show their chick that they got they got the juice, they got the swag. They're trying to show these shorties I could drop five racks a piece, if not more. I'm sure it's more. Maybe not for uh, Indiana, but damn sure for a Hawks game. I could drop five racks a piece, a seat to sit courtside and put you in front of LeBron. And we could talk shit to him. We could drink. We can eat. We can do it all. Because I'm hoping to smash at the end of the night. So I got to show you all of this so I can smash it at, at the end of the night. But now this is two years in a row, unless I have the Atlanta courtside Karen wrong. Maybe that was the bubble year, but I'm pretty sure that was last year. Courtside Karen in Atlanta, and now we have another courtside Karen in Indiana. And LeBron has to keep walking the refs over to these people saying, those two got to go. And that's some get off my lawn shit. Now, again, I'm not saying he shouldn't have done that. If someone is sitting courtside and you're the reason the league is where it's at. LeBron has put the league where it currently sits, firmly entrenched in terms of money right behind the NFL. When you're the face of that league, and potentially a face of a generation, a face of an era, and you have people who are casuals sitting courtside, and they're wishing death upon your children, yeah, you should be able to pull a ref to the side and say, yo, bruh, I can take heckling, but you're not going to sit courtside. Watch me run up and down, run and jump. And then tell me how my son's going to get killed. It's 2021. 1951, you probably get that off real easy. 1961, you still get that off easy. It's 60 years after that. You're not getting that off no more. So he got them up out of there. 
But the larger scope is LeBron's old, man. LeBron is old. And this is what happens when your favorite players get old. You look at them different. The things that they do don't hit the same. When LeBron's on the fast break and he dunks, it doesn't look the same. It's just the natural progression. Now, there was a time where it seemed LeBron was defying age. And, you know, those who know, know how he was able to defy age. But at this point now, that doesn't seem to be happening anymore, allegedly. So LeBron is getting old. And this is what LeBron getting old looks like. And here's where naturally the transition from LeBron to AD was supposed to happen by now. The keys were supposed to be passed from LeBron to AD to be the guy. But in old man Bron, I don't see a lot of passing the torch. And I think that more so than an old roster and Melo's old, Russie's old, they don't know about THT. Like, there's just a lot of Malik Monk. Like, it's a lot of questions around this roster, but I think it ultimately begins and ends with who's the man. If LeBron really is about being magic, because I've always held firm to that. While everyone was trying to compare LeBron to Jordan, my thing is he's not Jordan. He's magic. LeBron has admitted as such. He idolized Jordan just like all of us did who grew up in the 80s and 90s. But in terms of playing style, he was magic. The things he does on the court is very similar to what magic was able to get off. So that's the natural comparison. Magic came into the league as a rook. He had to sit behind Kareem because Kareem was still Kareem at that time. Even when he got the finals MVP and he stood and played at center, when Kareem was out and put Philly out of their misery and got that chip off, it was still Kareem's team. But as the 80s went on, the transition happened where Kareem had to fall back, even though he's the leading scorer of, of all time. He knew it's not me anymore. It's him. He's the guy now. They're going to build a team around him. With the Lake Show, what you've seen from the Lakers, this year specifically, because I think, look, you had the first couple of years, they got a chip. It was a bubble chip. Some people want to put an asterisk. I do not. You had that run where LeBron was still Bron and AD was kind of that, what, not a Robin, but it was like a 1-1-A situation. It's looking more and more to me that LeBron is trying to make it him one and AD two. Like it's not a one A, a one one A thing. It's a one two thing. And I got some numbers for you. And you tell me what you notice is different. Because again, I don't I don't live and die by numbers, but sometimes the numbers are so stark and are so present that you can't ignore them. I think we can all agree that Bubble AD was the best AD for the at, at, as a Laker. Like, as a Laker, the best AD was Bubble AD. So in the bubble, let's run down these numbers. Uh, AD had 26 points, 36 minutes, nine boards, four assists, one steal, one block, 
He shot 54% from the floor, 36% from three on three attempts a game. And he got to the line about nine times. And he shot at, at shot from the line at an 84% clip, okay? So, basically, 26, 9, and 4, a block, a steal, a three a game, 54% from the floor, right? Eight feet throw, eight, nine feet those attempts. This year, this year. So, that was 28 games in the bubble. That's peak AD. This year, in around about the same sample size, 21 games. 36 minutes a game, 24 points, 19 shots a game at a 52% field goal percentage. He's shooting way worse from three, but he's only taking one less three. So he's down to two three-point attempts a game, but he's shooting it at 21%. Right? He's getting to the line six times, and he's shooting at a 73% clip. So that's a little down. Ten boards. Three assists, one steal, two blocks. So the numbers are more or less the same. So the AD that you got in the bubble, you're more or less getting right now. And he's playing center. Now, yes, they still throw DeAndre out there. They're still trying to find time to get Dwight out there. But by and large, in closing game moments, AD's playing the five. So now all the blue check boys can shut the fuck up. Now let's go to Bron. Bron in the bubble. 26 points, 35 minutes a game, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 18 shots a game, shot it at 53%, shot 36% from three, that's about league average, and took six threes a game, right? Got to the line about seven times a game, and he shot it at 70% clip, right? So, good numbers from Braun. Hanging on to still being the best player in the world type numbers. However, this year, now again, he's been hurt. Sure, it's only 11 games. Let's go here. 26 points, 37 minutes a night, 20 shots a night, 48% from the floor. 48% from the floor. That is the lowest since 2007. 48% from the floor. Just so we're clear. All right. The three-point attempts have gone up, but the three-point percentage has gone down. 34%. So below league average now. Free throw attempts. We talked about Harden and how the rules have affected Harden, Trey Young, even though that's kind of a trash narrative because Trey is still Trey out here. But Harden has definitely affected him. LeBron, who wasn't really known for doing those type of antics, but still, rule changes in effect. Five free throw attempts a game. So, I mean, Inge is still doing other things. He's giving you eight assists still. He's giving you eight boards uh, a block, half a steal. So, you know, he's still giving it numbers, but the percentage, 48% from the floor. 2007, I think that has to be said. Now, 2007, he still gave you 30 a night, 
but he was 23 years old. <laughs> now we're getting LeBron in 2022 at the age of 37, 48%. And he's taking 20 shots. So I'm just saying, like, is it time? I guess is the thing I'm really trying to get at here. I think the torch should have been passed. I would have argued it should have been passed last year, but it was too much other shit going on. It was a shortened season. It was a quick turnaround off the chip. So, you know, they tried to make do with what they could. I thought this year it would be finally the time where he passes it off like Kareem did the Magic. They said, all right, AD, you got it for the next four or five years. I'm going to be Robin. Or at least I'm going to be the 1A when you're the 1. And it's not happening. It's not happening, and Anthony Davis is not an ancillary piece. He's not. I know people chastise or wonder or question how good is he actually, but you saw it in the bubble. You've seen it even this year. And he's starting to talk a little bit, and he's starting to call out team his teammates a little bit. That's some leadership. I think if you really get AD on the side and spit some real to him, be like, yo, dogs, is this your team? He would probably say no, but it should be. Because he's the best player on this team. Anthony Davis is a better basketball player than LeBron James right now. So why isn't Anthony Davis getting the most shots on this team? Because of old man Bron. And if old man Bron keeps going like this, then yes, I don't think the Lake Show is going to get to where I thought they would get to. This, cha- this team is good enough to win a championship. I don't know if they're the bona fide favorites when everyone else is full strength, but they're there. You don't have LeBron and AD and not be contenders for a championship, but the way they look right now, I mean, there's no way else around it. They're 500. They're a 500 team. A team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis as their top two is 500. And now you have to worry about Frank Vogel. And if they get rid of Frank Vogel, which is something that's popping up more and more in the group chats that I'm in, where are they going to go? They're going to hire someone from the outside or is somebody on that staff, Phil Handy, who can come in there and make things happen, shake things up. THT can ball. I don't know what this love affair is with, you know, look, Malik Monk is a good player, role player rotational player at this point I'm starting THT I'm starting him he deserves to start he's young he's athletic he's energetic he plays the game the right way I don't know why THT can't start if they make a coaching change I think the first thing they need to do is do that because running Avery Bradley out here running DeAndre Jordan out here that ain't cutting it That's not going to cut it. If you really want to see what this team can look like, you have to put these old dudes on the bench. If AD's the five, then goddammit, start them at the five. Don't give DeAndre Jordan 20 minutes. Because what's the point? You might get a couple of alleys. Maybe you get the occasional block. But what's the point? If you want to build this team around Anthony Davis... You can't have DeAndre Jordan on the floor. You can't have Avery Bradley on the floor. Not as a starter. 
if you want to, if you're beholden to Russi, I'm not mad at that. Okay. But now you have Braun and Russi who aren't shooters. Let's be clear. Braun and Russi, Russi more so, aren't shooters. So you're surrounding AD with a bunch of guys who are just known for driving to the hoop. That doesn't help Anthony Davis's game. So what you need to do with the other two spots is to put guys who can shoot and do other things. And that's not Avery Bradley, and that's not DeAndre Jordan. So if you're going to do this, then do it. Put THT in the starting lineup, and I wouldn't even be mad if they went all Malik Monk either. Because the whole narrative, you're looking about, you want to get shooters on the floor. The whole thing, Lakers got no shooter. Lakers got no shooting. (sighs) Let's go look up where the Lakers are in terms of shooting. Since that was the narrative, right? They don't have enough shooting. But let's find out together where the Lakers are in terms of shooting. Did you know the Lakers are second in pace? Old team though, right? Old team. But they're second in pace. Cool story. Uh, Offensive rating, they're towards the bottom. Defensive rating, they're middle of the pack. Which is weird because maybe about a week and a half ago, because again, it's still early in the season, so a lot of the stats fluctuate. About a week and a half ago, the Lakers were third in defensive rating. Now they're down to 18th. Because, again, it's early in the season. But let's see if we can find some team stats here. The Lakers are 14th in the league in three-point shooting. Old team, though, right? Old team. So they're in the upper half of the league in three-point percentage. Uh, They are also top 10 in the league in a lot of offensive categories. They're fourth in free throw attempts. They're top 10 in rebounding, top 10 in assists, steals, blocks. They're the fifth highest scoring team in the league. They're top 10 in field goal percentage. All these things for an old team. They're old, they're old, they're old. Even if you want to go into analytics, effective field goal percentage, they're in the upper half of the league, they're 13th. But again, they're old, they're old, they're old. Stop talking about the Lakers. They're old. They're top 10 in a whole bunch of offensive categories. But they're old. But they should also fire Frank Vogel, right? I mean, this is where we're at with the Lakers. They are an enigma. They are the team this year that we're just not going to understand until probably March. We're not going to really know what this team is until March. I'm not going to judge them right now. I just know they're better than 11 and 11. I mean, they're better than that. When you look at the Western Conference, and I spoke about when I did the Twitter Spaces NBA preview, I said the West is is pretty much only a couple teams. And I said the Warriors, and the Warriors are out here killing. Made some money on Steph last night. I ain't so anti that I ain't <laughs> I ain't so anti Steph that I ain't afraid to make some money off the boy. Um, minus two? I mean, come on, son. Easy spread. Uh, anyway, so, and I think that's one thing you got to look out for is that I don't know if Vegas knows how good the Warriors are. So you can make some bank if you just ride the Warriors. Pause. Anyway, so I said the West is really weak this year. Because I don't believe in Utah. Yeah, I know how I feel about Phoenix. And I said the Warriors are the only team outside of the Lakers that I could see really coming out the West and like legitimately winning a championship. 
Phoenix can win the West. That doesn't mean they're winning a championship. They proved that last year because of you-know-who. So for me, the West is going accordingly. None of these teams look good. The Mavericks aren't good. In terms of winning a championship, they have a good record. They're over 500, only a couple games. But, like, the Jazz are 13-7. and seven. Right now, it's, it's the Warriors and the Suns that are far and away running away with the West. So the Warriors are doing what I thought they would. The Suns are, you know, doing like they did last year. And then it's just a whole bunch of dudes. <laughs> it's literally just two top-tier dudes at the top, and then everyone else is just a bunch of dudes. And I didn't think that the Lakers, with LeBron and AD, and then bringing in Russi, and having all these other guys, Melo, Monk, THT, back with the bag, I didn't think that that team would be considered a bunch of dudes. But right now, Lake Show is a bunch of dudes. And I think Frank Vogel might be about here because that team and that roster, I mean, those contracts that are on that roster are not being paid out like that just to be a bunch of dudes. Now, they're missing Kendrick Nunn. So if you want to tell me, you know, Nunn is out with a knee, so that's kind of messed up the rotation, sure. But that's why you gave THT the bag. And it was a deserving bag. So why not start the boy? I don't know what it is. The coaching staff loves him. Phil Handy. You know, you're hearing rumors about Fizdale. Maybe Fizdale would take over if they actually do get Frank Vogel up out of there. And I, eh, I've seen enough of Fizdale. I've never seen enough of Mrs. Fizdale. I've seen enough of Fizdale. I'm good on that. I think it's time to get Phil Handy the keys. I think it's time. Is there a smear campaign existing right now against Ben Simmons? I think this is troubling. How there is clearly someone in the Philly front office who is leaking disparaging things to the press and the press is doing what the press does and eating it up and doing whatever they can for clicks and putting shit out there. From these ridiculous trade proposals that allegedly Maury wants to now the shit about Ben Simmons is broke. I mean, are we fucking serious? Why does Philly keep leaking shit to keep Ben Simmons name out there? No one cares. And that's where Philly is in a jam. No one cares about your Ben Simmons problem. Just like no one cares about the Nets Kai Irving problem. No one cares. Stop leaking shit. It doesn't matter. That trade proposal that they claimed Daryl Moya asked for, what was the Celtics thing, right? That he asked for Jalen Brown, who was it? Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and I think a first-round pick that was protected. You think you was going to get Ben from the boy genius for Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and a protected first? He's really trying to scam. Come on, them there. I mean, it's it's only so long fake thugs can pretend, but Daryl Moore is looking shaky in the light because this Ben Simmons thing should have been over already. No one's gonna hand you a chip like they did the original. No one's gonna do that. You don't have a Kevin McHale 
who's going to hand you a Hall of Famer. Trade the man, get some pieces for a roster that's still relatively good, and see what you can do. Cut your losses. But having shit leaked in the press, it's, it's, it's troubling. It's troubling. I don't understand how you can support a team that has a front office that's so quite blatantly is railroading a linchpin star. And you can say whatever you want about them. Obviously, Philly fans, by and large, not all, but by and large, have their feels. They're in their feels when it comes to Ben. They feel betrayed. They feel let down. They feel bamboozled. Sure. But at this point, why keep the boy? Why keep him? He ain't going broke. Like, if you think, if anyone who's listening to this pod legitimately thinks that Ben Simmons is going broke, my DMs are open, pause. I would love to hear the explanation for that. I would love. I mean, I would say hit the pod voicemail, but it seems like, by and large, y'all are scared to hit the voicemail. So just keep hitting the DMs, I guess. But let me know. Let me know. How in the hell is Ben Simmons broke? And if you think this wasn't the Philly front office leaking it, then please, again, let me know who leaking it then. Who would know Ben Simmons' finances to put shit out there that the boy is broke or going broke because of all these fines? Do I really need to look up his contract earnings? Do I really need to dignify myself my time, and yours. Fuck it, we here now. We already on basketball reference. Let's just go ahead and do this. Now, unless you want to tell me there's some sort of crazy Australian uh, tax that uh, the boy made, he signed a five-year, $169 million extension in 2019. I mean, dogs, what are we talking about here? Up until this point, he's made $57.1 million. $57.1 million. You telling me he broke? Why is Philly trying to keep Ben Simmons' name in the ether? Because Maury don't know what to do. The more and more this goes on, the more and more it shows that Daryl Maury doesn't know what to do. If he can't scam someone out of their star for his disgruntled star or disgruntled star, then he don't know what to do. He can't just do a good trade for a good trade's sake. You could go to the Kings. The Kings are still there. Maybe you even go to the Hawks. I don't know if the Hawks would do it, especially since, you know, they're both contenders in the East. I don't know if they'll do it, but... The Hawks have an access of wings. And there's a certain wing there that I have been a huge fan of on this podcast and any platform that I get a chance to share on. Cam Reddish is there, bro. Hometown. He's from the area. He's from Norristown. Bring him home. He can't start for the Hawks. I don't know why. I don't know why. 38% from three. 
Just saying, six boards, couple dimes, couple steals. He D's up, pause. I don't know what's going on. Cam Reddish can't start in Atlanta. He damn sure can in Philly. You put a package around that. Maybe throw in a Gallinari to make the contract work. You do whatever you got to do. I don't know, but I mean, I think that's the move. To me, that's the move. If you're not going to do it in regards to the Kingsdale because you feel you feel Buddy healed. Buddy healed in a package of Bagley. And maybe you throw in. Well, you're not getting De'Aaron. I wouldn't give you healed. If I'm if I'm the Kings and now the Kings are a mess, right? Let, let's let's be clear that the Kings are the Kings. But if I'm the Kings, I'm not giving you. Let's see. What we got here. I can't give you healed Fox and Bagley. That's too much. I can't do it. Can't do it. You know what I'm saying? However, since they made the coaching change, I would not be mad if you did Buddy. Buddy has to be in it to make the contracts work. I love Halliburton, but with Alvin Gentry, not Luke Walton. I don't know where Halliburton stands in this Alvin Gentry world. I don't know how uh, Halliburton is going to be used. It's been a mixed bag. It's obviously a small sample size. He's only been there four games, but it's been it's been a mixed bag in terms of how Gentry is using Halliburton. You might be able to get Halliburton now. You might. So, Philly. If I give you healed Halliburton and Bagley, is that enough to shut y'all up? Healed Halliburton, Bagley. Is that enough for your man's Dowell Mori? The new. Came across an interesting uh, tweet last night. And it was about the Baylor athletic program, right? And it's rise back into prominence over the last few years and it looked like some sort of message board like a reddit type thread or whatever but someone basically was asking how in the hell did Baylor get back into prominence you know if you look at them they got three women's basketball championships uh they they just won the basketball championship this past year you know final four whatever and now they got a you know a top 10 football program so the person was asking, yo, how in the hell did Baylor pull this off? And someone responded with a pretty thorough and laid out uh, reasoning. He gave three reasons. He talked about Waco and how they've transformed the city of Waco into not being what it used to be. And he talked about some boosters, chip gains specifically. But the main thing I want to focus on and bring up as we're coming on the cusp of Another BCS, another playoff thing. And we have, we get caught up in the playoff seedings and what team is this and who's going to be who. And ultimately, this third reason that, that this person gave, I think, is the most telling. Now, I'm going to read this because I, I don't want to miss a bar in this. This is bars, straight up. So, the third reason that this person gave. So, one is re revitalizing Waco. 
Two is the booster, specifically Chip Gaines. And if you don't know who Chip Gaines is, Google is your friend, or more specifically, DuckDuckGo is your friend. We're all about privacy in these days and times. DuckDuckGo is your friend. Uh, The third reason was the Baylor Mafia. The Baylor Mafia. And if you're not familiar, let me read this to you verbatim. The Baylor Mafia is probably the biggest reason for their athletic success. The group is mainly underground and works with law enforcement, judges, lawyers, and the Baptist church to move funds, donations, and other gifts to well-meaning people of influence. These people of influence include folks that can literally make crimes disappear. Shall I go on? I shall. (laughs) These are the people that spring into action when Baylor, inevitably, gets busted by the NCAA or law enforcement. They work with the bag men who set up the payoffs and the hush money to the affected parties of the scandal. This process is what allows Baylor to bounce back from scandals in such a relatively short time. Certain Baptist churches works as nothing more than a front to send championship-caliber football and basketball recruits to Waco. A few top players sound with Baylor, and suddenly that particular church is getting a much-needed renovation of its facilities. It's all in plain sight, but it's not in plain sight. That is the genius of it. There is always plausible deniability. End quote. All that shit is facts, bruh. <laughs> I mean, there's not much more I could tell you, but that is still what we're here for in college athletics. As the NCAA wants to be patted, patted on the back for the name and likeness situation where college athletes can get paid somewhat, even though they're still not getting paid, not even close to the lion's share of the bread that's actually being brought in, as I will forever say, the SEC network alone brought in half a billy just a couple of years ago. Half a billy a couple of years ago. Players don't see none of it. That has nothing to do with name and likeness. That has nothing to do with that. Players still do not have access to that half a billy that the SEC network alone, alone brought in. So this is why, you know, we talk, I talk about trash narratives, right? So the trash narrative is that college sports has done a great thing with the name and likeness situation. And while that is true on the surface, it does not change the larger problem, which is that billions of dollars in mass are being made off the backs of unpaid labor. College athletes are labor. It's a job when you play high-level athletics. There's no disputing it. There's no getting around that. There's no way to, yeah, maybe, yeah, but not, no. There's no way around that. College athletics is a job. Through the gig, I've been able to hit many a campus over the last year and a half. And I can tell you specifically, that shit is a job. And there is so much money wrapped around it. And the players ain't seeing shit. 
They get some free kicks, some free gear. It's like, you know, you go to college because of the drip. You're getting free drip. You're getting free drip and the potential to potentially put enough stuff on tape to maybe get to the league. Maybe. So while you're getting free drip and the exposure of, you know, being a high-level college athlete, the people behind the scenes are raking in millions, billions off of you. So while the name and likeness thing is a thing, and it's cool, it's a victory of sorts, it's a surface level victory. It's performative, not actual. It is open season on Baker Mayfield. He's been called to task by another daddy. <laughs> Odell's daddy put that, repurposed that video and put it out and got his son up out of Cleveland. And now Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt's pops took the Facebook. I don't know if he's trying to do the same thing. He said he ain't, but it damn sure looked like the blueprint. <laughs> it damn sure looked like the blueprint. So, you know, to sum it up, yeah, Kareem Hunt's daddy basically said Baker Mayfield is hurt, scared to throw the ball, needs to shut him down because he's so hurt. And, you know, I think he didn't jump off the ledge yet, but I think the next thing coming is Baker just ain't that good. And I think that's just, it's becoming full circle. Yes, Baker is hurt. He's tremendously hurt. He's wearing braces all over the place, but he's trying to get the bag. So he doesn't want to shut it down because he's trying to show that he can be the franchise QB and he's worth whatever bag they're willing to offer him in the offseason. So he's doing this to earn a bag. The thing is, is he earning this bag or is he hurting his bag by going out here and looking how he looks week after week? I don't know what to make more of this Brown situation. You know, I talked about it a few weeks ago when the whole Odell thing happened of this team is was supposed to be something. This offense specifically was supposed to be something. And you have Miles Garrett, Ward is back, and that defense is solid. That defense is good enough. And you have all these weapons on offense, but you have a short QB who couldn't see a top 10 receiver, but for some reason could see Juice Landry. Scary hours if you're Cleveland. We got rid of Odell. That next game, Baker threw one deep pass, and all the blue check boys ran to their Twitter, ran to their timelines, and said, see, Odell was a problem. And Baker's been shit ever since. <laughs> he literally has been Basura ever since. So, you know, Kareem Hunt's pops, I'm sure there's a lot of pops. I would like to think Njoku's pops. I mean, how many other pops? I think the only father who's happy with Baker is Juice Landry's pops. I think that's the only one. You think Nick Chubb's pops is happy about the lack of touches? Is there a father of anyone on the Browns roster besides Juice who's happy with Baker? Anyone? Seriously, what are the Browns going to do this offseason? 
You can't pay Baker. You can't. Because you still don't know. I mean, I know. But they can still plausibly say, we don't know if you're the guy yet. They could plausibly get that off with somewhat respectable reasoning. If they give him the bag, they're doomed. Like, they're doomed. When you got Lamar in your division, you got Josh Allen, who got some help. And, you know, he's tricked off a lot of wins because he's still Josh Allen, but he's got enough help to facilitate his fuck shit to get the Bills into contention. You got Jay Herbo, who may have taken a step back, but is still Jay Herbo. You still got Mahomes. Like, there's a lot of young QBs in the AFC who aren't going anywhere anytime soon. If you lock yourself into Baker, you're signing up for mediocrity. And following along with mediocrity, Cam Newton's back. He got that vax, and he's able to get back in the league. See how easy that is? Just go get vaxxed. You're not as bad as they said you were when you weren't vaxxed. Just like I said here, is that Belichick was finding every reason in the world besides saying he's unvaxxed. We not trying to deal with that shit. Now, all of a sudden, Cam Newton goes get vaxxed. Hey, now he's got a job. <laughs> Funny to your boy. Anywho, so Cam is back and Cam is a mixed bag. Cam Newton comes back. He has the, the, the personality. He still has the charisma. He still has the swag. He still, unfortunately, has his drip. But he also still has an erratic arm. And he still throws balls 100 miles an hour into the ground. But if you're the Panthers, what else you got, bruh? You could have gave it to P.J. Walker. You could have gave them the keys. But, I mean, I'm assuming they've seen enough. Whether it is practice or in a limited game action he had, they had seen enough. If you could go bring in a cam sell some more jerseys, get some ticket revenue on the walk-up, on the walk-ups, game day, stuff like that. Like, you go do that instead of just handing the keys over to P.J. Walker. You go do that. So they bring Cam back. And, man, Twitter's weird. There's a lot of people who just don't like Cam. They find his faults and they just magnify them while ignoring and minimizing his attributes. No one's saying Cam is a top five, a top, eh, yeah, he's not a top 10. No one's saying Cam is a top 10 QB. But he's a starter. With 32 teams in the league, he's, he's top 30. But that was the narrative when he was a Patriot, and that was the narrative at the end of his first Panthers run, was that he was washed as a starter. And I'm like, you got to be shitting me. When the Washington football team is trying out Tyler Heineke, you can't tell me Cam Newton's not top 30. I refuse to believe it. When you have Joe Flacco still being trotted out here, unvaxxed Joe Flacco, by the way, no one cared about that. I wonder if he was in New England, would Belichick have cut him? Anywho, teams are out here trading for Joe Flacco so he can start games. And then he gets benched. <laughs> you can't tell me Cam Newton's not top 30. So the Blue Check boys had a field day, but now they had to backtrack because Cam Newton went out there and does what Cam Newton does. He scores touchdowns. 
He's a lethal red zone threat, specifically a goal line threat. You know, there's people that say, you know, there's no better person at the goal line for like a QB sneak than Tom Brady or the fourth in inches. No one's better at the QB sneak than Tom Brady. Dog, I think that's a slap in the face to Cam Newton. That's a slap in the face to Cam Newton. Because when you're first and goal within the five, just give the ball to Cam. And even at this advanced age, even though he looks as though another one, we talk about old man Bron. This is old man Cam. Old man Cam is still getting touchdowns, though. Not this past week, not yesterday, but the week before when he went and ran to the corner. I said, ain't no way he going to get there. But God damn it, he got there. I don't know how he outran that linebacker. Old man Cam is still here. And now you would think the Panthers is all right now. They have a quarterback that's starter level. Christian McCaffrey, C-Mac is back. But here's something I want to know about C-Mac. Is he who they said he is? I'm just asking the question. Is Christian McCaffrey is who they said he was? I'm just asking. I'm not here for a deep dive yet. I'm just putting it out there in the ether. It's Christian McCaffrey is who they said he was. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for taking the time out to listen. Appreciate the downloads. Streams are I, right, but there's no way for analytics to really get up on that. So I appreciate those who do download the episode in their podcast app. Numbers-wise, we're coming up on a big number in totality in the history of this podcast, so I'll be putting something out soon once we hit that barrier. I'm very proud of the number that we're approaching for an independent podcast. I think it's important to celebrate your wins, celebrate your victories. Oh, yeah, your boy won an Emmy. That's a thing that happened. Yeah, so that happened. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, it's on my Twitter. It's the pinned tweet on the Twitter feed. It's got some views on it. Um, very appreciative of those who reached out. I do appreciate that. It's always good to get feedback. It's always good to uh, get flowers of sorts. So uh, thank you to those who did reach out. Anyway, not on the road this week. So definitely get in the pod today. And you may get a second pod later in the week as we ramp things up as the NBA and Christmas you know, that's when the NBA is really on point. So that's when that begins. NFL still here, college as well. So for the Sam D Podcast, I'm Sam Duesenberg Jr. I'm out.